All right, everybody, it's Thursday. Welcome to the Big Football Show. I am Austin Meek, joined by Colton Pouncey. Colton, I guess we have to start with the big news in the Big Ten that we learned yesterday. One of the Big Ten games scheduled for this weekend will not happen. The Ohio State-Maryland game has been canceled because of a number of COVID-19 cases at Maryland. So, Colton, you know what this means? First place, Indiana. First, First place, place, Indiana. Indiana. <laughs> Let's get it. Let's get it. That's our that's our squad, right? <laughs> I, I guess we shouldn't. I, I shouldn't uh, jump to conclusions because Indiana uh, has to play Michigan State still, right? And uh, we know what happens when you uh, assume that a team is going to beat Michigan State, as uh, I did a couple weeks ago uh, with Michigan. So we shouldn't yeah. <laughs> uh, shouldn't write that down in stone, I guess. But yeah, well, Colton, uh, I guess let's start with the uh, the news on the cancellation. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, an unfortunate situation, something that's happening around the country right now. When we look at the SEC, they've already had four games postponed for this weekend. What does this mean for Ohio State? Uh, what does it mean for Maryland? And what does it mean for the Big Ten as a whole? Yeah, I mean, obviously, even before the news about Ohio State and Maryland, obviously with, you know, just looking around college football, seeing what's happening in the SEC and, and, and those games over there, you have to wonder you know, what's college football going to look like now, a couple of weeks from now, by the end of the season, we really don't have a good grasp of that. And so when you're talking about a team like Ohio State, this is a program that pushed for a Big Ten season more than any other school because they thought they had a chance to do something special. Um, you know, they thought they had a chance to make the playoff, win it all with Justin Fields coming back for his junior year. He's looked phenomenal. This team has had no issues with its Big Ten schedule so far. We all kind of expected them to run the table and, and really kind of come out unscathed from all of this. But, I mean, now that you have one game canceled, you have to wonder, will they have enough to make it through a season, um, enough games to be considered for a playoff spot? Um, how do you measure maybe a, a seven-game, eight-game Ohio State squad versus 10 or 11, you know, with the SEC and, and other teams like that? You've got some teams, multiple in those conferences that are kind of looking for a spot. So how do you match up? an Ohio State team that has played less games. Um, you know, if, if there's another game that gets canceled later in the season, how does that impact them? So I think just from this week alone, we have a lot more questions than we did. And it's not like this was totally surprising. We've seen some games get canceled, but for the Big Ten specifically, that got a late start, didn't have a lot of flexibility in its schedule to overcome things like this. It really impacts a team like Ohio State, which again, pushed for a season because they thought they had a chance to win it all. Right, when you look at Ohio State now, and their remaining schedule. They play Indiana on November 21st at Illinois on November 28th at Michigan State on December 5th, and then they end at home against Michigan on December 12th. So they could lose one more game somewhere in there, have one more game canceled, and still get to six, which would mm -hmm. make them eligible to play in the Big Ten championship game. But yeah, the, the math starts to get tricky because all it would take is one outbreak somewhere. If if Ohio State had to shut down, if one of the teams on Ohio State's schedule had to shut down, uh, all of a sudden this team that you know has has been building toward this season, as you mentioned, really you know as much as any team in the Big Ten had a motivation to to play this season, uh, it it wouldn't take much now uh, to potentially derail that, and I, I would imagine that's got to make people kind of nervous. Colton, how how would you look at this? Because I think that this is going to become a big topic now in college football as as we see the likelihood that we're going to have pretty uneven resumes when the college football playoff committee sits down to evaluate these teams at the end of the season. 
there's a pretty good chance that they're going to be looking at teams that played maybe 10 or 11 games and teams that played maybe six or seven or eight games. Uh, so how do we how do we weigh that? Because I think, you know, if, if we look at it, you know, if we take a step back and look at it, it I think Ohio State clearly is one of the one of the top four teams in the country in terms of talent and you know in terms of the ability of that team. But the question becomes now, are they going to get enough opportunities to build that resume? Yeah, you know, it's I think it's kind of tough to say at this point. I mean, obviously, first and foremost, like we've mentioned in the past, you, you hope that these cases get take, taken care of, that players are coming out of this okay. But even, let's say, these teams get better and everything, like you have to wonder – for a team like Ohio State, you know, they didn't really do anything wrong in this situation. It was just a product of a team on their schedule that had to shut down, and that's impacting them. So you can talk about controlling what you can control, but a lot of times it's out of their control. And if this happens again, like it could happen through no fault of Ohio State's, just, you know, another team having an outbreak like this. So you can feel for a, a school like Ohio State that put in so much effort and so much time. But again, a lot of this is just out of their control. So we're going to have to see what the landscape of our country looks like a few weeks from now, a few months from now. Um, and in terms of the committee picking teams, it's really going to come down to the eye test, I think. I mean, mm -hmm. more so than, than recent years, because you are going to have some teams that have played more games, that might have more impressive wins on their resume versus a school like Ohio State, which I don't think it's a question. They're one of the most talented teams in the country. They've been recruiting well. It's showing up on the field. They haven't, they've had no issues with the games that they've played so far. Um, and I think if they're not able to get to – the full eight, nine games game schedule, which are already not because they have one game canceled. But let's say another team has an outbreak and that affects Ohio State again, you know, the numbers won't match up. And when the numbers don't match up, you're going to have to go to different eye tests and, and use different metrics to evaluate these teams. And it's going to get contentious. You know, <laughs> I don't think you're going to have, you know, an easy, an even uh, evaluation across the board. Some some people might think, oh, well, this SEC, SEC school beat this team. Um, they've played this amount of games versus Ohio State, which they've had some games canceled. And they're, you know, we all we all know that they're talented, but do they deserve a spot just based on the games that they played? We don't know. We can't really say that right now. So it's going to look weird, man. And, and we've said this all along, like this, this season is not a normal one. You're going to have some teams that get in, some teams that kind of miss out and there's probably going to be some people that aren't happy at the end of the year. And that's just that's just how it's going to be. Yeah, I think you're right that it is going to come down to the eye test. And that's something that the committee has shown in the past. And even when there was some uniformity between the leagues, the committee has reserved that right basically to say, we're not going to tie ourselves to a specific metric to determine who the best teams are. We want to have the ability to look at it kind of subjectively and say, well, these are the teams that we think are the best. And if you look at it that way, I don't see any way that you can keep Ohio State out no matter how many games they play. Right. Uh, this year, more than any other year, it's not really going to be about the resume. It's going to be about who the committee thinks are the best teams. And you know, right now, it's pretty clear to me that, that there's four teams, uh, Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Clemson. Uh, but if you've got a team like Florida or Texas A&M that's sitting there at the end of the year at 10-1, and one, uh, and you've got Ohio State that maybe only plays six or seven games. I mean, it, it's going to be, like you said, it's going to be contentious. It's going to be an argument. Uh, but you know, I, if I'm an Ohio State fan, I'm not like freaking out because we had no. a game canceled. Because I don't, 
personally, I don't think that this team has a lot to prove. Like, I don't think it's going to come down to, well, we didn't get to see them play Maryland. So are they good or not? <laughs> you know, like yeah. we know Ohio State's good. Uh, right. you know, we know that that they belong, uh, but there's just not much margin for error there. Uh, and they're going to have to get these games in. And, you know, Colton, all of a sudden, we kind of joked about it off the top, but Indiana, 4-0. Uh, Indiana. Scheduled to play Ohio State uh, on the 21st. Indiana coming uh, to East Lansing this week, right? Uh, so, uh, what do we uh, what do we make of of the Hoosiers after seeing what they did to Michigan last week? Uh, I mean, first and foremost, I'm just super excited to see my favorite player, Michael Penix Jr., this weekend. <laughs> um, Austin, you got a chance to see him up close last weekend, um, along with the rest of the IU team. I- I'm really excited to kind of see this team for myself because you know they're off to one of their best starts in program history. You know, three and zero. It's weird to see the number ten next to this I- Indiana team right yeah. now. I've, it's super jarring to me, but it's it's they deserve it, you know. Um, for the games that they they beat, they beat a Penn State team that no one expected them to beat. Um, they came back and beat Michigan. If you came, if you if you looked at this Indiana team before the season, you know Tom Allen had talked about we have to beat the top teams in our division if we want to have a chance. So if you looked at this team through three games and you see that they've already knocked off Penn State, they've already knocked off Michigan, you have to feel ecstatic if you're if you're an Indiana fan right now just for the way they started um some of the momentum that they have and just where they are in the, in the conference the landscape of the conference right now um they're a lot of fun to watch they've got a good defense they've got a rising quarterback and Michael Penix like we mentioned and um I don't think they'll have too much trouble with the team I cover this weekend um just based on where Michigan State was last week um and I, I just I'm excited you know it's gonna be a good game I think in my opinion but uh I'm just excited to see where this Indiana team's at. Yeah, Indiana's 3-0. and I think I gave them an extra win in there, but maybe that Michigan win felt like it counted for two because Probably. Indiana really <laughs> dominated that game. I mean, I you know, I picked Indiana to win. I, I thought they I thought they could win that game, but I was still surprised by just the the degree to which Indiana controlled that game and, you know, really, really dominated Michigan on both sides of the ball. Cause like we talked about last week, I, I was there last year when Michigan won at Indiana and I thought top to bottom, Michigan looked like the better team. And I thought top to bottom on Saturday, Indiana looked like the better team defensively. Michigan had no run game against Indiana. Michigan finished with 13 yards, which I believe is the lowest total for uh, for a Jim Harbaugh team at Michigan on the ground. So completely mm-hmm. shut down Michigan's running game. And then on the other side, uh, Michigan again, didn't have a sack. I thought Michigan was going to be able to do some things with its pass rush against Indiana, but they weren't able to do that. Michael Penix Jr. was, was able to really attack Michigan's secondary, which, you know, give credit to, to Michigan state. You know, they really exposed that for the rest of the league. I think everybody in the big 10 watched that film of Michigan, Michigan state and realized, <laughs> Oh, we've got something we can attack here with Michigan's corners. And, Indiana kind of did the same thing. You know, they went after Vincent Gray, were able to get some big plays down the field. Uh, so, yeah, the arrow's really pointing up for this Indiana team. Unfortunately, Colton, uh, the arrow's really pointing down for Michigan. Uh, we had uh, this uh, this week we found out Aiden Hutchinson, one of the best defensive players in the Big Ten, is going to be out, uh, had a fractured ankle, is going to have to have surgery. Kind of adding a you know insult to injury for Michigan. Jim Harbaugh was pretty uh I would say pretty testy this week when when the questions came up about his future, which that's going to continue to happen. Uh, yeah, what what do you make of this situation right now at Michigan? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, 
when you look at Jim Harbaugh, obviously when he came there, he really turned the program around, got them to 10 wins in year one. Um, I think there's just so much hype around him. Like he is a Michigan man. You know, he comes from the NFL. He's got this pedigree. He's going to turn us around and, and get us competing against Ohio State again. And obviously that just hasn't happened. Um, and so now they're in year six and you just wonder how long is this going to go on? Um, that's part of it where you just haven't seen them break through. And I think a lot of people expect it to come sooner than this. And it's taken a lot longer than most people assumed. But the other part is I don't even know where they go from here. And I, I guess this has been talked about quite a bit, but I don't know if you can get rid of Harbaugh. Like who else are you going to find that can get them over the top against Ohio state? Like Ohio state is not competing against big 10 teams. Ohio state is competing against Clemson. They're competing against Alabama, the Georgias, the LSUs of the world. Like that's their range right now. And Michigan is just not up there. So again, it's like Jim Harbaugh has kind of stabilized the program in a lot of ways. And he's, you know, given credit for that, but he's brought in to take them over the top and it still hasn't happened yet. But at the same time, it's like, where do they go from here? And I mean, Austin, you cover this team. You're, you're around Harbaugh for these zoom calls and everything. It seems like, He's just getting tired of answering these questions and it's getting to a point where, you know, some it seems like it's going to break one way or another, right? Yeah, I talked about this with Nick on the beat earlier this week about how you know, these questions are not new with Jim Harbaugh. Like that's probably been the question I've been asked the most since I got here is, you know, what's going to happen with Jim Harbaugh? What's Jim Harbaugh's future? Is Jim Harbaugh on the hot seat? And for a long time, I kind of said, you know, I get why people are disappointed and I get the frustration of fans who expected more from Jim Harbaugh. But I also, I don't get any indication from Michigan that there's any real sentiment uh, that they want to move on from Jim Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, he graduates his players, he wins eight or nine or 10 games every year. And you know, yeah, he doesn't beat Ohio State, but we like a, a lot of other things about him. So that's always been my answer to that up to this point. But it does feel like things have started to shift a little bit because you can't really make the case anymore that, well, Jim Harbaugh does everything you want him to do except beat Ohio State. Because if you're losing to Indiana and Michigan State, all of a sudden that's a whole different conversation, right? Like that's two teams in your division who you clearly have a talent advantage. And if Michigan starts losing those games – then it's not just about, well, who can Michigan get who can beat Ohio State? It's about, can Michigan find another coach who can beat Indiana and Michigan State? And that is a much more manageable question, I think, if, if you're talking about a, a potential replacement for Jim Harbaugh. So, you know, we're not there yet. Uh, this is a weird year, and it's going to continue to be a weird year. And I don't think we can say anything definitively right now about what's going to happen. But certainly... For Michigan being at one and two, uh, it's not where you want to be. And I think it has changed the conversation a little bit with with Jim Harbaugh and has turned that storyline into something that maybe in the past was just like rumor mill stuff, like, you know, sort of speculation. Now I think it's a legitimate topic and and it's going to continue to be a legitimate topic as we go forward through this season. Um, Shifting gears, uh, I guess, to talk about this weekend. So Michigan plays Wisconsin uh, on Saturday night. Um, the big game on, on the Big Ten schedule. It's going to be our first chance to see Wisconsin since the opening Friday of the season. 
Uh, Colton, what do you think we're going to see from this Wisconsin team? Because it, it, you know, it's really kind of a mystery. We don't know. Are they going to come out and just pick up right where they left off uh, on that first game? Are they going to be shorthanded? It's, it's really hard to say. Yeah, I mean, I'm wondering if we're going to see some rust from this Wisconsin team. I think it'd be normal, and it, I think it would be perfectly fine if they do have some. I mean, they haven't played in a couple of weeks now, and um, honestly, like they had only played one game. You know, it's going to take multiple multiple games, considering these teams really didn't have a lot of time to ramp back up. So Wisconsin had one game to show what they can do, and obviously, they looked fantastic in that Illinois game. But also, that was Illinois. Illinois does not look good right now. So you wonder, okay, where do they kind of stack up in the landscape of the Big Ten? And, you know, they've got a lot of talent. Graham Mertz looks good. He looked good in that first game. But I think it's fair, you know, after shutting down the program for a couple of weeks there, what they're going to look like right off the bat. Um, so now they got this Michigan team, and Michigan's kind of reeling. But maybe they come back out and they're like, hey, you know, the, what we've shown the past two weeks is not us. We think that we're closer to the Minnesota game than we were against Michigan State and Indiana. And maybe they're playing frustrated. They're playing with a little bit more fire. Maybe they come out and make that a game that people probably don't expect right now. So I think there are a few things to watch when you look at Wisconsin. It's, okay, is there going to be Russ? How long is, how long is it going to take them to shake it off? Is Graham Mertz going to be the same guy that we saw against Illinois? And also from Michigan's end, it's like, what are we going to see from this team? With all the rumors about Jim Harbaugh, um, just the way they played the past two weeks, how will they respond? So that's kind of what I'm looking for in this game. How about you? Yeah, it, Michigan is definitely backed into a corner right now. Uh, this is this is gut check time for them. Uh, if there if there is going to be you know a game where Michigan gets it back on track this year, this has got to be it, right? Uh, because if you start one and three, there's just no pathway for anything that that Michigan could describe as a successful season. So uh, it's 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 now or never. Uh, from Michigan's perspective and for Wisconsin, you know, it, it's just, it's really hard to say because we don't know, we don't know how many players will be available. We don't know, you know what that list will look like of, of guys who will be out for Wisconsin. Uh, it sounds like Graham Mertz uh, you know, would be eligible to play, uh, you know, the, the, with the Big Ten's 21-day protocol, it would come right down to the wire, basically, of yeah. when he will, would be eligible to come back. But uh, from from what I've seen from Jesse Temple, our colleague who covers Wisconsin, it, it sounds like you know if he can get the practice time in and they feel like he's ready, there wouldn't be anything stopping him from playing. Um, so I you know I could totally see this Wisconsin team coming out and being you know, rested and focused and eager to get back on the field after having two games canceled. And if that's the Wisconsin team that we see, then. I think Wisconsin wins. You know, it, it, I was talking to Jesse on his podcast this week, and and you know we were talking about this topic, and I basically said after watching Michigan the last two weeks, I can't pick Michigan to win this game uh, unless it's just you know a shell of a, a Wisconsin team that that comes out there, and you know, we we don't know right now uh, how shorthanded they will be, but I think if they have anywhere close to their full team, hard for me to pick Michigan to win in that game. Um, so when we look. Uh, around the league at some other things going on this weekend. So Iowa and Minnesota kick things off on Friday night. Colton, you uh, you got that got to see that Iowa team up close on Saturday. Uh, that was that was pretty impressive from Iowa to get back on track. I don't think either of us expected them to uh, to bounce back quite as emphatically as they did. Uh, what what impressed you most about what Iowa was able to do last week against Michigan State? 
Yeah, you know, I think the reason I, I brought up Michigan and maybe them being frustrated is because I saw this Iowa team up close. And, you know, they were frustrated after losing their first two games, I think by a combined five points, something like that. Um, so it was really close, even though they started off 0-2. So that team came into Saturday just really pissed off. Mm-hmm. Uh, they came out of the huddle, first off to play, were ready to punch Michigan State in the throat. Um, the offensive <laughs> line dominated the line of scrimmage, did whatever it wanted. The Hawkeyes rushed for over 200 yards and... The running backs oftentimes weren't even touched until they reached the second level of the defense. So really just a dominant performance. Like they came out and just they were they physically overmatched Michigan State in every sense of the word. Um, so you have to give them credit for the way that they responded, the way they bounced back. Um, they could That's a team that could easily be 3-0 and right now. So it might people might not be as high on Iowa as they, might, they maybe should have right now. Um, maybe they should be right now. But, uh, you know, I think going into this game, I think Iowa's got a good chance to win. And they, they can ride this momentum a little bit and uh, see where they end up in the Big Ten West. So we've kind of got both extremes this weekend in the Big Big Ten because we've got the game between uh, two schools that are pretty high on the old uh, misery meter right now, which would be Penn State <laughs> at Nebraska, uh, two winless teams uh, and two teams that you know are, are pretty disappointed with, with where they are. I mean, obviously nobody saw Penn State starting 0-3 uh, losing to Maryland the way they did, I mean that was a that was a shocker. You could see the the first two games you could kind of understand. I mean Indiana's a good team, we know that. Obviously Ohio State is Ohio State, and I thought you know Penn State performed okay in that game, uh, but to be zero and three is is pretty stunning. And then Nebraska, you know they they wanted to play. There was so much you know noise from Nebraska about uh, you know about how badly they wanted to play this year, and I think we talked about it. Colton, right before the season, um, that you know, if 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 you're the team that is really out there begging for it, then you, you kind of got to deliver. And there's still time. But Nebraska losing to Northwestern uh, to start 0-2, that's not really where you want to be. And then on the flip side of that, you got Northwestern at Purdue, two unbeaten teams in the West. Colton, could we live in a world where Northwestern and Indiana are both 4-0? <laughs> I think <laughs> we could, and, and I think that's a world I want to live in. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> I, I love chaos in the Big Ten. This yeah. is, that's why I know a lot of it has been you know, COVID-related and shutdowns like that. But when you look at just the standings right now, you know, you've got Rutgers with more wins than Penn State right now. I don't think anyone would have predicted that coming to the season. Um, you know, and, and again, like this Penn State squad, like who would have thought they would have been 0-3 right now? Uh, last week's game against Maryland was really kind of embarrassing for the program. And I know they had some guys out and, you know, a guy like Micah Parsons opted out and that kind of hurts you uh, in a lot of ways. But, man, you don't expect to, to lose a game like that. And, and also credit to uh, Maryland's social media team because they, they were putting out some absolute fire after that game. I yeah. think they had a, a Photoshop of John King looking at the map of Pennsylvania. <laughs> and had the Maryland logo photoshopped on it. That was incredible. Um so, so, yeah, I mean, you look at this Penn State team, it's really been just kind of underachieving so far. I think I don't think there's any other way to explain it. Um, they got a chance to bounce back against Nebraska. And like you mentioned, Nebraska was one of those teams, like Ohio State, that really wanted to play this season. And for them to start 0-3, that's not a great look. You know, we, we mentioned Scott Frost. You know, this is your... Third year, fourth year, uh, I forgot, whatever it is. Um, whatever year it is for Scott Frost, like you, you're you supposed to start having some momentum. You're supposed to start stringing together some solid performances, some solid seasons. And, um, you know, for a team that really pushed to play, 
they're not really backing up their end of it right now. So they, they have a chance. It's still very early. They've only played two games. Um, but now, it's now or never for them. I think they got to start winning some games and, and you know, string along the run here, right? Yeah, year three for Scott Frost. And we said that before the season that, look, uh, no no excuses this year. And, and you know, and I, I, it's been Nebraska has had its beefs with the Big Ten. And some of them, I think, have been justified. Uh, even, you know, even people around the league who maybe have not complained as loudly about how the Big Ten has handled this stuff, um, there's, there's been a lot of grumbling in a lot of places. And Nebraska has been the school maybe that has uh, spoken what a lot of people were thinking at times. So mm-hmm. look, I, you know, I grew up, um, I grew up in the, the Midwest. I grew up in Kansas back in the old like Big Eight days when Nebraska was you know, running roughshod over, over all those schools in the big eight, which is like completely dominant. Um, you know, so I, I actually, I sort of have, I wasn't like a Nebraska fan growing up. I actually uh, did not root for Nebraska as a kid, but I sort of, you know, I think respected what they had there. And like, that was the program that everybody in that part of the country looked up to. Sure. So, you know, I, I have some, maybe a little more, um, you know, can see a little more of the Nebraska perspective than some of the old school Big Ten people who just don't really get like what Nebraska brings to the table. Right. But at some point, you got to actually do it, right? Like, you know, the tradition and, uh, you know, the aura of your program and, you know, the passion of your fan base, all of that stuff is great. But at some point, you got to translate it on the field. Uh, yeah. And just hasn't happened yet for Nebraska in the Big Ten. And, and don't get me wrong, like college football is better when Nebraska is good. And I think sure. that's why people want to see them get back to a place of contention because they, they understand the history of this program and what they can do when they're at their highest. And we just haven't seen it. So for them to kind of pout their chest and, and do all this and that, that's all fine and dandy, but you got to back it up on the field. And until you do that, you're not really going to be taken seriously. So I would love nothing more than to see this Nebraska team prove some people wrong, get back to a place of contention. But uh, it's just got to happen at some point. All right, folks. Well, stay safe out there. Wash your hands. Wear your mask. Enjoy the football this weekend. Uh, we hope uh, we hope there's still some football to enjoy. Enjoy the Masters. Read Brendan Quinn down there in Augusta. Uh, check out all the football coverage at The Athletic. And check out the show tomorrow. Jesse Temple and Ari Wasserman will be in uh, to give their picks. So uh, thanks for checking out the show. We'll talk to you later.